Welcome to New Life Miami, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nlmiami.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are loved. It's good to see a lot of new faces and the customary faces that I always see as well. So bear with me if I do say new life because I'm still getting used to the transition of the name Nest. So I got to say it is a very cool name. Um, so with that said, let's just pray before we get into the word of God. Amen. Father God, I want to thank you, Jesus, for today. I want to thank you, Father God, for just another day of life and of great health that you have just blessed us with, Father. I just want to thank you for the opportunity to be here amongst your people, in your presence. I thank you for that time of worship, Father God. I pray, Lord, that as we get into the word, Lord, that you would use me, that you would direct me according to your purpose, not mine. That you would speak to your people, that we would leave here changed and renewed by your spirit and by your word. I pray, Father God, that you would continue to watch over um, your church members of Nest and the way as they get to Israel, that you would give them a smooth flight, safe passage, that you would speak to them and show them, Father God, your promised land, that they would leave there changed and they would, you would bring them back home safely, Lord God, renewed by your word and your spirit, Lord. And it's in your name we pray, amen. Amen. So this morning, my message is very quick. Very quick, but I hope that I get to the point and that you leave here changed. The message is entitled, Worship in the Spirit. And if you have your Bible this morning, if you can get to John chapter 4. And we're going to be looking at verses 12 through 24. And many of you have probably heard this story before, but this morning I want to touch upon something different that many haven't touched upon. So we'll begin reading in verse 12. Everybody there? Okay. I'm old school. Like, I just have to look at the scriptures here. It says... So, so let me give you a picture first before we dive into verse 12. So basically, Jesus is leaving Galilee. Basically, Jesus has been baptizing people in the Jordan. And basically, the Pharisees have come to hear that this, this Jesus guy has been baptizing more people than John the Baptist, right? So basically, what happens? The Pharisees are, you know, the Pharisees are just Pharisees, and they're, and they're going to come and approach Jesus, and, and Jesus, in his perfect intuition, says, you know what? I need to leave. It, it's going to get a little crazy here. I need to leave. So basically, he says to his disciples, I'm going to Galilee. And basically, in order to, to get to Galilee, there was two ways to get there. You could go around Samaria, or you could go through Samaria. And Samaria was a place where many Jews looked down upon them. They weren't the same class as Jews. But Jesus had a purpose, right? How many people can attest that Jesus always has a purpose? 
So Jesus said, you know what? I'm not going to go around Galilee to, to um, forget about these people. There is a certain lady, a certain woman that I need to speak to. So, so instead of going around Galilee, he chose to go through Galilee. And basically he's walking through the desert. And he, and he finally gets to this well. And that's what we'll get to in verse 12. And it says, give me one sec. Verse 7, better yet. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Verse 10, Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock? Verse 13. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, I give Sir, give me this water so that I may not be thirsty or have to come here to draw this water. Can we stop there for a second? Obviously, this woman had no idea who she was speaking to, right? She was basically a woman that had to come on a daily basis to get her water. She had to get her water from the well. So picture this, a woman probably having a, a big jug, big vase, having to draw the, va I mean, the bucket up from the well, fill the jar, and then having to hold that pitcher, whatever you want to call it, and having to walk back to the city. That's pretty laborious work, right? And, and Jesus is telling her, right, if you were to ask me for water, I would give you what? Eternal water. And this lady is so in touch only with her physical realm, that she's basically saying, Jesus, give me this water that I don't have to come here anymore and pick up this physical water. So in essence, this lady had no idea who she was talking to, and basically the conversation that Jesus was having her went over her head, right? We can all agree with that? Verse 16, Jesus said to her, go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you are now with is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and now is here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. Verse 24, God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Verse 25, 
The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming. When he comes, he will tell us all these things. And Jesus said to her, I am who speaks to you. So the message this morning is entitled, Worship in the Spirit. So what is worship? We hear this term very often, but what does it mean? It is defined as the feeling of expression, of reference, reverence and adoration for a deity. Basically bowing down before kings and masters. You know, we, we just finished worship. And this morning I want to give the disclaimer that I love you guys very much, even though many of you I do not know. And the message this morning is not to offend, but to encourage. Okay? Everybody can say amen. So if you get offended, you can send an email to Pastor Rigo. He'll be more than willing to take care of it. But basically what I want to say is that when we come to worship, sometimes we come to worship and we forget what's truly happening. We come and, and we get focused on what's happening in the physical when really why we're here is all about the spiritual. When we come to worship, back in the days, if, you ever, if, ever, if you've ever read, sorry, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, it's a story where Nebuchadnezzar was the king. And basically, there was a time in the day where everybody would have to bow and worship this God that Nebuchadnezzar had established. It was like if a trumpet were, sound, were to sound, and wherever you were at, you needed to bow and worship. And what happened? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, you know what? That's not me. That's not my God. I will not bow down. And we all know that they stood up for their faith, were thrown into a, a furnace, and God saved them, right? Worship is a time where we are to give reference, reverence to Jesus. It is not to come to church to listen to your favorite singer. It is not a time for you to come and focus on the drums and how awesome they sound or the piano or the melody. It is a time for you to come and give reference to your Messiah. It is a time where you are to close your eyes. It is a time to give reverence to your creator by giving him what is due to him. And some, some, many, many times we come to church and we are so engulfed with our problems, right? You see, there's a, there's a fine line with us Christians. We are in the physical, right? We were born, we were created, some of us are married, some of us are not married, and we have responsibilities, right? I wish I didn't have responsibilities, but the fact is that we do have responsibilities. We gotta get up, we gotta work, we gotta get money. I have a wife, I have three kids, I gotta take care of my wife, I gotta take care of my kids, I gotta spend time with them, right? And sometimes that really controls our environment. That sometimes, or if not usually, controls our mindset and how we see things and we forget that this life, yes, it's about the physical, but at the end of the day, it's all about the spiritual. And when we come to church, we bring that load. We enter into the sanctuary with all those things in our mind. 
And I will tell you that the women bring more than the men because somehow we as men can just put that stuff away for a second, whereas women are always thinking about everything nonstop. And we come into the sanctuary focused on all these things, all these problems, and it's hard for us to get into worship. Amen? It could be that I'm the only one, but I hope that there's others here this morning that can relate with me. And sometimes we come to worship, and sometimes we, there's an awesome worship service happening, but we're not in it. Sometimes there's an awesome spirit falling amongst God's people. And have you ever caught yourself looking around saying, am I in the same place? Where the person next to you is just praising God and you're like, God, help me get into worship. This morning I want to focus on worship and the worship that deals with the heart. Everything deals with the heart. See, Jesus had come to Samaria for one purpose and one purpose alone. It was to transform the life of this woman. This woman was confused. She was abused. She had been used. And God said, this is the time where I will transform her life. What were the root problems what were, the, what were the problems that were, were happening in this lady's life? In verse 14, uh, in chapter 4, verses 16 through 18, God said, bring your husband, right? And she said, I have no husband. And Jesus basically said, yeah, right. You've had five husbands, and the guy you're with now is not even your husband. There's a problem there. Her relationships were wrong. This morning, you need to surround yourself with the right relationships. Again, I'm not here to offend. I'm here to encourage through the word of God. Listen, if you're living with somebody who you're not married with, wrong relationship. It's against God's word. God establishes certain rules for the benefit of us. But it's our responsibility to accept that, right? You see, I'm a parent now, and many of you guys are parents. We try to teach our kids with what? Instructions. Usually instructions given by our parents that we have now understood and accepted. And with the word of God, we try to help our kids with those same instructions. And how many times do you tell your kids certain things and they just ignore you? They just ignore you. You have the best interest for them. You are trying to help them, and they're basically like, okay, thanks. And that's how we are sometimes. God, in his best interest for his children, has given us all these awesome rules or instructions for us to take and accept so our lives are fruitful, and what do we do sometimes? Ah, thanks. All right. Her relationships were wrong. Number two, her reasoning was wrong. 
Again, she was all about the physical. Jesus was telling her, listen, I can give you living waters, eternal water. And her reasoning, her mindset was, yeah, give me this physical water. And number three, her religion was wrong. In verse 20, she had learned her religion from other people. She had never experienced true religion, which is what? A relationship with, with Christ. And she had the Messiah, the creator, right in front of her trying to show her, listen, this, this is what I want. This is what you need. You know, sometimes we worship relationships. We worship our best friends and we worship our cliques. And we worship the people we surround ourselves in the workplace. And listen, I'm not talking about worship. Oh, you know, no, no, I'm talking about reverence. I hope you're following me this morning. Sometimes we worship our reasoning, how smart we are. How intellectual we may feel. Number three, sometimes we, we, we worship our religion. Religion. When God's not about religion, God's interested in the relationship, that one-on-one -on -one with him. You see, all her problems could have been drastically changed if she would have had if she would have had the true relationship which is found in Jesus Christ. Nothing in our lives, in your lives, will totally be in order until we get this right. Listen, your life will continue to be a crazy mess until you realize that your worship must be aligned to Jesus Christ. Some of us have that. Some of us have a quarter of that. Some of us have three quarters of that. Some of us have zero. God wants 100%. 100%. God wants to transform the way we worship. Let me ask you this question. You don't have to raise your hand. Have you ever asked yourself, why do people come to church? Have you ever asked yourself that question? Why do I come to church? I have. My kids ask me all the time, do we have to go to church? I say, yes. <laughs> and, and as I pose this question to myself, these are the things I wrote down. They come to fellowship. They come to laugh, to talk. They come sometimes to meet friends. They sometimes come to find a boyfriend and a girlfriend. <laughs> Represent. <laughs> Sometimes they come to speculate, what's this, what's this Christian stuff about? They come to gossip. Sometimes they're forced to come. Sometimes they come because they can get a free coffee before service or some breakfast. Or maybe they come because they give you lunch after service. Free food is always a good, uh, a good motive to bring people. But you see, the wise people of God come to church to worship. So let's see what type of worshipers God is looking for. Philippians 3.3 3 
And I think these verses should come up. If not, I'll find it. If it comes up, let me know so I can just turn around. Philippians 3, 3. This is the only thing that, that is not good when you use a phone as a Bible. You got to just keep on going. Philippians 3.3 3 says, For we are the circumcision who worship God in spirit. Rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Paul is writing here, and Paul speaking, and when he defines true circumcision as a matter of the heart, he is not talking about the flesh. He reveals three aspects of true circumcision. Number one, worshiping God in the spirit. Number two, rejoicing in Christ. And number three, placing no confidence in, in any human honor or accomplishment as a means to reach God. I mean, that's another preaching in itself, but. So what happens when we truly worship God? When we worship in the spirit, number one, the spirit produces life. Going back to, to the worship service we had here. If we come to worship God with the, with the spiritual and not the physical. God transforms the surface, the, the, the service, the service. You know, many of us sometimes get tired after three songs. And if you have a disability or if there's like an issue with you or you're an elderly person, again, this is my opinion. There should be no reason why you sit down. Because when we come to worship God, it is to give him reverence. And I'm not saying you can't worship God when you're sitting, but it's not, so, it's, not, it's not the same thing. When we come to worship and we stand up, in the spiritual, it takes, to a, it takes you to a place where you are at the altar of Jesus Christ. And when you come to worship and you close your eyes and you raise your hands, that act of raising hands is, is an act of humbleness. It's an act of surrender. Because we can come to the altar and put our hands down and stare at the altar, right? But if we come to the altar, like if, if I looked at you right now, and, and there's many people, so I'm going to just look straight at the wall. But if you guys were the altar and I came to worship and I just stood like this, that, that gives off a vibe, right? You can call that vibe whatever you want, but it gives off a vibe. But if I come to the altar and I'm like this, does it give another vibe? And that's, how we, that's, that's what happens when we come to worship. When we enter into the sanctuary, we should come with all our stuff, all our baggage, and then we stand, and then we should 
gradually get into the spirit. And what do, you, what do I mean by that? I mean, we close our eyes and say, listen, Lord, I'm here, which is a victory in itself. Father God, you know all my problems. You know all my situations. You know how terrible my week has been. You know what I'm going through, but I'm here. I leave all these things at your altar. Help me get into your presence. Let me tell you something. Every time you do that, I promise you, if you do that with a sincere heart, let me tell you something, your worship service will be different every Sunday. But if you don't do that, and you come into, into the sanctuary, and you sit down, or you stand up, or sit down, and you don't, you don't get into the spirit, you know what you are? You're a nice statue. Because what happens is the Holy Spirit is, not, is unable to penetrate he will be unable to penetrate. Because you know why? Because you're not ready. You're not ready. But when you say that prayer or whatever prayer you may use, the Holy Spirit begins to transform your life in that very moment. Because when we come to worship, again, we're not here to see Tito sing beautifully. And we're not to stare at the lyrics and say, man, that are some beautiful words. That is to sing those words to your Messiah and so that your Messiah can speak back to you. Because in the midst of worship, there is battle. there's a battle taking place. In the midst of worship, God is able to speak to you. And I'm getting ahead of my, of, of my message today, but it is what it is. When we come to worship, God is able to do something in your life that he was unable to do with you throughout your week because your mind was in the things of the physical, but now you're in the spiritual. But you got to get into the spiritual. So, number one, the spirit produces life. The services will come alive. Have you ever gone to a service where the spirit of God is in the place in the sanctuary, and, and it's almost like the corporate body is just in one accord. And you can just stop singing, and, you, and it's just like a beautiful sound to hear your brothers and sisters singing. And sometimes the spirit falls in just a great manner that there's no preaching at all. Have you ever experienced that? Those are my favorite services because I know that God did something in the midst of his people. And you know why he was able to do that? It's because the people of God allowed him to do that. You see, you can come to worship, and I can guarantee that out of the hundred people that come, there are certain people that will always be in the spirit of worship. Because they've tapped that. They've experienced that. And once you experience it, there is, there is no way you can go back to the way you used to worship. But... The hope is, is that when you come to church, everybody's doing that. Because that worship service, it will be transforming. Do you know that when a church falls in the spirit of worship, people get saved in the midst of that worship? That people that have bondages, they're, they're, they are freed 
that if there is people that have that are uh, uh, oppressed or possessed by the enemy, do you know that there are sometimes worship services that those people will be freed? Because where the spirit is, the enemy must flee. But it is only when his people truly worship him in spirit. Number two, the sermons will come alive. Have you ever gone to a, just make a point. Have you ever gone to a service? Anybody invited you to a church where, where you, have, you, you experience the, the worship of Nest? And then you, you have a friend or a relative say, hey, come to my church. I, I just want you to come, help me. You know, I, I'm going to a new church. Can you give me support? And you go to that church, and they're going through that worship service, and you say to yourself, this is worship? There's some churches that don't know how to worship, but they call it worship. Number two, the sermons will come alive. When you truly worship God in the spirit, when the time comes to hear the word of God, you will be more ready to listen to that word, more accepting of that word. When you come to worship and you don't, you don't worship in the spirit, I can tell you whatever God is telling me to say and you won't accept it. Furthermore, you will get offended by it. When God is trying to teach you or show you something. Worship prepares the heart. And number three, the singing will come alive. Listen, I pray, you know, my prayer has always been, and I'm praying for the miracle one day, that I would have a great musical voice. You see, before, I, I wasn't with my hands up. I'll be very transparent with you. When I was a little kid and I had to come to church, my mom would worship God and she would be one of those ladies that would sing very loud. She didn't care who was to her left or to her right. She would raise her hand. She would dance. And I would be embarrassed. Seriously, I would be embarrassed. And then my mom would like, you know, be that Cuban mom and, you know, raise your hand up like, vamos hijo, like, come on. And I'd be like, no, no, sorry. No, thank you. And, maybe, and I would probably sit down. But through my years learning the word of God and God speaking to me and ministering to my life, I no longer worship like that. And though I don't have an angelic voice, I've come to a point where I don't care. Because when I come to worship God, it's time between me and God. Now, I will tell you this, that I try to sit away from certain people so I don't distract, right? And I'm a type of guy that I like to worship with not that many people around me just because I like to have space. Again, that, that could be something just weird that I, I have, but Pastor Leo and I sit next to each other, and him and I have no worship voice whatsoever. So when we're together, we sound like one terrible voice. <laughs> but what's awesome is that when his wife, Onika, is not singing at the worship, at the her, she's right next to us, so she usually drowns us out. But what I've come to realize is that when the spirit of, of the Lord is in the midst of worship and his people are truly worshiping in the spirit, they don't care. The person to the left or to the right ain't going to care if you sound terrible because they're so concentrated. Uh, concentrated in their own worship with Jesus, they don't got time to worry about how you sound. The singing comes alive. 
Number two, the spirit provides liberty. Second Corinthians chapter three, verse 17. You guys let me know again if it, if it comes up. Yeah? Awesome. Now the Lord is the spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom or liberty. When we worship in the spirit, there is freedom. Freedom from the confinement of places. You know, there's a story of Paul and Silas where they were imprisoned and they were in the dungeons, chained up. And the church was praying for them. And not, not just the church, but Paul and Silas began to worship God in their situation. I praise God that I've never been in jail. But if I were in jail, I don't know if my first reaction was to praise God out loud. But Paul and Silas, they knew the power in worshiping in the spirit. And as they began to praise God in the midst of their situation with other people that were incarcerated, what happened? Anybody know? Earthquake. The earth began to rumble, and their chains were loosened, and God saved them. See, that was in the physical. But if we take that into the spiritual, that's exactly what happens. Listen, people that have been addicted with drugs, sex, whatever their addiction has been, I can be a testimony and tell you that I've seen it with my own eyes. When they worship God in the spirit, when their life is truly dedicated to the things of the Lord, they have been freed. The spirit provides liberty from the commands of the devil. Where the spirit is, the enemy cannot be. Where the spirit is, the enemy cannot be. Where the light is, darkness must flee. And where the spirit provides liberty, it provides freedom from the conformity of the past. You know, we just finished at our church uh, a Bible study, a nine-part Bible study on the book of Ephesians. And if you have never read the book of Ephesians, it is a powerful book. It is written by the Apostle Paul. And in chapter 6, it talks about the armor of God. I mean, yes, the armor of God. And how Satan is a deceiver. And how he throws these fiery darts at us. And what those fiery darts represent are lies. And I don't know about you, but I think we all struggle from time to time with the devil flinging these so-called fiery darts at us. These lies. These things from our past. And Obviously, we have a choice to either accept it or remind ourselves that God has forgiven us, right? But when we are aligned with the Spirit, 
when we are worshiping God in the things of the spirit, when we're reading the word of God, we are free from these lies. So this morning, if you are struggling with the lies of the past, of who you were before you became a Christian, listen, God has freed you, God has delivered you, God has forgiven you. Dust off your feet and move forward. Number three, the spirit pours out love. Romans 5, 5. The spirit pours out love. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Understand this morning that if you have the Holy Spirit in your life, he has poured out hope and his perfect love. When we worship in the spirit, the lies within the church will abound in love. Listen, this is not my church, but ask yourself, does this church abound in love? This is difficult. This is something that is very difficult because a healthy church is a diverse church. And in a diverse church, you have all types of people, all types of backgrounds, all types of culture, all types of hurts. And sometimes when we come to church, our own brethren hurt us. They sometimes backstab us. They sometimes talk bad about us. But guess what? We are to love and forgive. That's hard. But if the Holy Spirit dwells in us, we should be able to. Love for the sanctuary. Love for, for this place to call us, call this place home. Love for my brothers and sisters in Christ. Love for the scriptures. Love for the saints. Listen, half of you guys, if not more, I don't know you. But there's something about being a Christian and being and having the blood of Jesus run through my veins that I love you guys. God is seeking those who will worship in sincerity. I'm not going to say that this church has these people that I'm going to talk about, but there's people that come to worship and it's fake worship. There's people that come to church and they raise their hands and they're dancing and it's fake. It is a facade. It is to show others that they're okay when in actuality they are terrible. And the fact is, is that you can fake me. Yes, you can fake me all you want. But God knows who the true worshipers are. And God wants people who are sincere in their worship. A church who is sincere in the love towards the saint, in their worship unto Christ, listen, that is a thriving church. That is a church where the Holy Spirit dwells and moves. Psalms 5, 7, and I'm almost done here. But as for me, I will come into your house in the multitude of your mercy. In fear of you, I will worship towards your holy temple. You know, there's a song, and I want to say it's by Natalie Grant. 
and forgive me, I'm not very good with lyrics, but the concept of the song is that we try to bring God to our level. We try to bring God to our level so that we can see eye to eye to him. When God is God, our eyes should always be looking to God because he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is a great almighty God. He is not me. He is not made out of flesh and blood. He is not weak. He is not sinful. He is an almighty, everlasting God. And when we, when we understand that, the, that the, the God that we worship is not at this level, our mentality will change because we move ourselves into the reverence of God. Let me ask you a question. Do you fear God? I'm not saying are you scared of God because I'm not talking about being scared of God. I'm talking about do you fear your maker? Because if we fear our maker, if we have that reference, reverence to our maker, our life, the way we see things will be different. Sincere sincerity is defined as the quality of being open and truthful, not deceitful or hypocritical. I'm, I'm basically done here. But listen, God is looking for his sons and daughters to be sincere. Jesus is looking for individuals who will come into church and be real with one another. It's easily said than done, but that's what God is seeking. God is seeking that when I come into this church, I can say, listen, man, I'm struggling. I've had a terrible week. I need your help. I need you to pray with me. But most of the time we come to church and somebody will ask you, how are you doing? You'll be, I'm doing great. Or sometimes we really don't care, so we ask you, how are you doing? And we can, we can care less what their answer is, but we want to be polite. We hear the response and we say, okay, thanks, bye, see you later. See you next Sunday. Many of us work, and many of us work eight-hour shifts, if not longer. And I would tell you that our family, we spend more time with our family of work than we do with our loved ones and with our church. So it's so vital that when we do have the time that we have, that we make it worthwhile. And the only way we make it worthwhile is if we truly are sincere with the time that we have. So, I leave you with these points. Praise begins in the heart, a pure heart. God gets no pleasures from those that shout in the church but shut their mouth in public. God is not blessed with lips that honor him when the heart is distant. God wants you to be close to him.
not distant. He wants you close. Be sincere in your prayers. God is not interested in how long our prayers are. God just wants sincere prayers. Listen, I'm a a person who doesn't pray very long. I can't pray very long. I run out of things to pray for. There's some people that have the gift of prayer that can pray about one thing for hours. I don't have that. But that's not to say that God cannot work in me the same as the person that can work or that can pray for three hours. As long as I am sincere in my prayers, God will move in my life and he can do the same in you. He's not interested in how good or how bad your vocabulary is with the things of God. He just wants you to be sincere. The fact is that God is not impressed. God cannot be impressed. Now, people can impress us, but God can care less because there is nothing that God can be impressed about. He made the word impressed. So listen, stop trying to impress your brothers and sisters in Christ. Stop trying to impress God of how good you you think you can pray or how good you can preach or how good you can sing. God is not interested in that. He just wants you to be sincere with him. Be real with your God. So as we stand and we close, ask yourself these questions. Are you worshiping God as he desires? There's no altar call. This is time between you and Jesus. You have a choice to leave this place changed and taking into consideration everything that's been mentioned here today. From this point on, will you worship God in the spirit? Will you allow yourself to come into this sanctuary in the next worship service and say, God, listen, I render everything to you. I'm going to come and worship you. Are you spirit filled? Are you a Christian this morning? I can tell you this morning that if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal Savior, everything that I've said is as if I was talking to the Samaritan woman, it went over your head. But I give you that opportunity. If you want to give your life to Christ, today's your day. Today can be the day where God can give you that eternal living water. That's not to say that your life will not be with battles or with trials, because it will. But the difference is that you're going to have a Messiah, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, guiding you and walking you through it and giving you the hope and peace knowing that you will not die, that you will not crumble in the midst of your trial. Because our God is victorious. So this morning as Tito sings a few lyrics, I just want to give us some, some time 
to truly be able to get into the spirit of worship.